Hello and welcome to That Happens, the podcast where the end of the world happens. I'm your host, Spencer Crittenden, and coming with me live is Kevin Day, the end of days. Kevin Day, baby. What's up? Can't help but notice we have a new tech situation where we can actually see the live program view, and I am mirrored. Do I look mirrored to you, or is that something you do to the camera, Kevin? Um, you're seeing what the people at home are seeing. So I think Zoom is flipping you so that you look normal yes. to yourself. And well, what you're seeing in the live program view is, is what everyone else sees. Why are they doing this? Why would they trick us like this? I look much better the way I see me, but it's like, no, you have to look like you have to look like this made up, whatever, whatever, man. We, we got a lot of stuff to get to. Do we? I like to call uh, our next guest a, a lot of stuff. You know, that's back in the olden days when we were kicking back in uh, the olden places. I don't know, man. Jesus Christ. I just took a shit, you guys. <laughs> I'm all out of sorts. I can tell. But, yeah, yeah. You know, the but we got shit discombobulation. Yeah, you could tell my complexion is bright red. I'm just dripping yeah, sweat. Blood know? vessels. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we got Ryan Ridley in the studio. It's his first time on Schraub Home Video. Is that right, Kevin? Yes. We've never shown Ryan Ridley on here before ever. Oh, this my is, this God. Is, this is a, a record for us. Yes. This is a Mad Happens exclusive. Go ahead. Waiting for this day for years. For I, actually, I actually have been waiting for this day uh, because you were on our potential guests list. Uh, I don't know if you know about this. Wow, I made it that Kevin, far, pull up huh? the <laughs> yeah you will i'll tell you this you made it farther than that um you made it to the actual call list which is like okay we're gonna go out to these people and then i was like i think i think we've had too many guys on the show and then i think we might have put a hold on that uh but yeah you know i, I don't know <sighs> You know, you know, you're you work in Hollywood. It's diversity. It's like it's not something that happens automatically. Uh, well, not if you're a white male, at least. You know, it's something that you got to keep in mind and be like, I'm not going to let this slip until it's too late. And we've booked the entire Harmon Quest, and it's all white males. You know, it's it's something you got to think about a little bit. Is that your experience, or does it just come naturally to you? Hey, man, you know, you're talking to the guy who said in Rick and Morty season two, we got to hire women next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> man did you actually say that because you posed it kind of like uh one of these ridley jokes like a hero um <laughs> no i mean to the point yeah i mean i think i think i think i think me and mcmahon talked about it like it's not like it came from you know the powers that be you know i don't know it never does, of course does they it. took all the credit oh sure they were like the first thing I said when I was starting season two was we got to get women in this room and you're over here like what the fuck? What the yeah, fuck? it's it's funny because you know it's like to your point you know with 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 channel 101 it was all mostly dudes and then when Rick and Morty started it was like mostly we're like well who do we hire for Rick and Morty well let's think about the channel 101 people and you know and so then it kind of perpetuates and perpetuates you know yeah for sure i mean you know especially with channel 101 it's like people trying to make movies and stuff with their friends and it's no secret that friend groups uh you know have not necessarily always or even a majority but they can tend to 
look like you. That's just something that happens is you, you know, you might grow up in a place or you might just have a lot of uh, social group people that are, that look like you. Oh my yeah. God. I sound like a piece of shit. Um, no, no, it's anyway. funny. Cause I, I, it's weird to the point where like, uh, well, I'll say this about my childhood friends. So my dad was Jew. My dad was not Jewish. My mom was Jewish. And if you look at my childhood friends, it's literally like half of them are Jewish and half of them are not Jewish. It's almost like a complete reflection of, you know, my own demographic. And then and now, even in life, most of my close friends are, are usually Jewish, which is why is that happen? You know, I, I thought this is a little side note observation, but I'm gonna, it's pertinent. So I'll bring it up. So I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not you know big into astrology, which I don't know where you stand on that, Spencer. Love it. Love it. I don't know anything about it, but I'm a big enthusiast. I'm 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 rooting for it. So someone will go, you've probably been in, a, you know, been in LA and someone, Kevin, maybe you too, like have had these conversations where you, you go, oh, I'm a Sagittarius. And then someone will go, oh, of course. I mean, it's because I could tell because you're, you're this, you're that, you're curious, you're, you're ambitious, you're whatever. And they're ascribing all these things to you based on whatever random star was, you know, aligned with your month of birth. And yet the truth is, if I were to say to somebody like, hey, what's your ethnic background? And they were go, Oh, I'm, I'm my mom's Irish. My dad's Italian. I went, oh, well, that explains it. I mean, you know, you got a, a quick temper and a little bit of a drinking problem, and a, like, and you love using hands in speech. What's that? And you love using your hands and and gestures and speech. Yeah, exactly. Now, now that would be offensive, but infinitely more accurate than whatever star was above you when you were born, as far as predicting your or explaining your behavior. What if what if we like looked it up and like every single ethnicity fit perfectly into like an astrological house and it's just like oh my god all all jewish italian people are sagittarius this guy i've never even thought about this before but wow it's just, that that's be, what it is yeah birth rates it's yeah it's like yeah zodiac suddenly we're looking at all birth rates of italy and israel and holy shit everybody is born in december yeah and now kevin I can't help but notice that Ryan, he, his camera doesn't flip, does it? When we're looking at Ryan, that's the same orientation. Oh, wait, no, maybe for him. Are you, are it's you just for yourself? You see it. Yeah, it's just stuff. for yourself. So never mind. So never mind. It's still Kevin's fault. I, I can't, I, I gotta, I gotta say that. It's certainly not my fault. And it's not my fault for being stupid for not remembering the thing that Kevin told me at the beginning of the show. But, uh, you know, Kevin's a big part of this show. Um, and, and one of the things we like to do on the show, is uh try and guess what kevin's deal is so ryan do you know what kevin's deal is going into this this is kind of the pre-game sort of situation do, do you have like uh knowledge about kevin very limited right and so do we all it's he's a mysterious figure and mm -hmm. it's it's a strange thing but we like to guess what kevin's deal is um so i mean it does anything speak to you off the off the dome just like in your in your ability to read people well i mean the knowledge i have is that you know basically i assume kevin puts a lot of work into this shrub home video what is what's the whole thing called the whole network yep shrub home video that home video okay so so obviously like you're passionate and you care about something that I assume is not extremely rewarding other than creatively. Correct. <laughs> that speaks to a certain kind of personality type. Yeah. But now so if you have to type I relate with, I mean, that's how I got into channel <laughs> one-on-one. Most of the shit I did for years was stuff I did for free. So if so, you had to translate that into a deal, 
that was Kevin's deal. What, what, how would you how would you phrase that? And do it in the phrase form of a question, or or, or is Kevin is your deal this, or I think Kevin's deal is this. Kevin, is your deal that you want to just belong and be a part of something bigger than yourself? That's a oh, good shit. way of putting it. Yes. Yes. God damn it. You know, I found that <laughs> I guess it's just I'm bad at reading people is maybe what we discover. But like a lot of our guests have very keen insights based on very little that end up cutting to the to the heart of what Kevin's deal is. This is maybe the third or fourth time we've won the game. What is Kevin's deal? Um, <laughs> Who else is what? What are some other past? Uh, in I don't know. Uh, we had Mara Quint on. She's someone I just know off of Twitter. Um, she's an activist and uh, comedy writer, and um, she she really nailed it. I can't even remember what she said. Kevin, do you remember anyone else that uh, that nailed you to the wall? I mean, I don't know that anyone's really got it nailed. Nailed. Well, me. I'm about to. Right, Kevin, okay. okay. Is your deal? that you leave food in the fridge for way too long and then you're like i should really throw it out but then you don't and then by the time you throw it out it's like fuzzy and disgusting and also you killed your previous wife <laughs> no no to both <laughs> Fuck. okay see this is what i mean i'm not good at this game was that was that a way of like kind of like throwing them off kilter for a second with a softball and then catching them you know with the with the real deal is that what that that was like, a tactic thank you i'd like to take credit for that but i don't think i had anywhere near enough intention to be able to lay claim to a strategy like that i just kind of okay. i mean you know we've been doing this podcast we don't have jeff on the show uh we'd love to have jeff on this show and in fact I, i've heard stories that if we have time we might actually have him calling in tonight on the uh, towards the end of the show but um you know I just how long is this show you said tonight yeah it is tonight 546 that's tonight I mean I know when it's tonight start I'd say tonight has started maybe by uh five so Sorry. we're not in late afternoon anymore I mean it, there's there's two schools of thought and one is it's more about sunlight but to me it's just time mm. so yeah. it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be bright out until probably at least like 7 30 or something and so eight, i can understand if you're like eight. yeah it's not yeah so i'd understand if you're like yeah it's not nighttime yet but to me it's like yeah five is nighttime it's like the difference between when who defines uh the definition of summer beginning on memorial day or the actual uh solar equinox so Mm -hmm. That's the difference between May 30th or whenever Memorial Day falls and June 20th or whenever the summer equinox falls. So that's the kind of, yeah, it's the monthly, ver the seasonal version of that. Damn, man, I could not give you even approximate dates for equinoxes, for solstices. That, that's impressive, you, I think. You know, something that fucking is so obvious that blew my mind and so obvious that I know you all know this, but the full moon is always around the 14th of the month what no i did not know this did you know this kevin no jesus christ we're all fucking idiots I, you know for you know, something years i'd look up and be like okay it's a full moon randomly but no it's on the same fucking 28 day cycle so it's 28 days and so 14 days in is the full moon and then the beginning and the end is the new moon or the whatever you call it you know in between the waning and the waxing gibbuses but yes, about the, just about the 14th. Now, because of our weird solar lunar calendar shit we have going on, it's not always falling on the 14th, but essentially every 14 days is a full moon. 
every every so that means there's two that's not right there's not two full moons every month right uh no because there's not because you think about it you you know rough yeah how would there be two full moons i mean trying to think so if it's if it's the first of the 14th and then the 14th of the 28th yeah i don't know i'm trying to think if that would make sense if there'd be a day a month that was extra long that would maybe have a second full moon i don't know kevin pulled up a counter that said snow moon worm moon pink moon flower moon strawberry moon buck moon sturgeon moon corn slash harvest moon hunter's moon beaver moon cold moon there's only What's, one moon kevin this is obviously <laughs> fucked. yeah what are these so this is a, this is a, a list of for this year every full moon i've heard of worm moon before i've heard of harvest moon that's it none of these are real this is all fucked up. Kevin's like pulled up some MMORPG Wikipedia or something. Hold uh, on, hold on. You guys hear that? That was my doorbell. They call it a doorbell, but it's really more of a traumatizing machine. <sighs> like I was trying to say, is Jeff used to be on the show and now it's just me and it's just just wasting time like this is all just horse shit we're looking up a fucking moon calendar like it's so i i don't know you know you, you, i think it's interesting i'm not so, saying it's not interesting so i'm not I saying you're saying wrong it's not interesting. like I'm, I'm looking at 2023 now mm-hmm. and none of them are even close to the 14th so if you see where my curse hold is, on hold on hold on wait a minute what is this website timeanddate.com and this agrees with the other one I looked at too. So if I go back to 2022. And if you want to see inscrutable spreadsheets, check out the video episodes yeah. on thathappenspod.com or live at shrobhomevideo.com. So okay. looking at the full moon, like it is in June on the 14th. But then it looks like every month it gets a day earlier. Well, so that has to do with the fucking. Then 2023. This is how we find out that Ryan's always been on a lunar calendar for some reason. Well, no, it says it's the 14th day of the lunar month. So it's just yeah, like the I lunar said, month. It always has to do with how the lunar month, because, you know, that's 28 days, but February is the only 28 day month. So it's it gets thrown off by a few days because of the solar calendar. Yes, the one we so, okay. So now it's not always in the fourteenth of the solar calendar. Right. Yes. Okay. See. Yes, I was gonna ask this like ten minutes ago. I was gonna yeah. ask because because I was like, I think that's what's happening, and then I was further going to say, you know, a bit of my own moon trivia that I think aligns no matter what calendar you're using. But if you look at the moon and you draw a line through it from top to bottom you know from tip of the crescent to the other tip of the crescent and then go a little bit up you'll either form with the white part or the crescent you'll form a lowercase d or a lowercase b okay and if it's a b that means the moon is waxing it's getting bigger and if it's a d the moon is waning or it's getting smaller and the mnemonic for that is if it's getting bigger it's a baby moon it's growing up and if Mm -hmm. it's a d it's a dying moon it's getting smaller so if you're ever looking at like a crescent moon a half moon which is called a three quarters moon i believe um or you know like you were saying a waning gibbous waxing gibbous um you know, and you're like, I wonder if it's getting bigger or smaller. I wonder if we're getting mm-hmm. closer or farther away from the 14th of the lunar calendar. That's mm-hmm. a way to to know. And a uh, side fact, uh, a fun fact on the side about that is if you're playing Minecraft, 
it's the opposite because I guess they didn't know that when they made Minecraft. So little tip for all you Minecraft players it's, out there. Nobody's fucking paying attention to the world outside. Not even well, when you're fucking spending all this money to make a fucking video game. You're not bothering to check. I, I don't know. It's 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 wild to me. Uh, maybe it's like some sort of propaganda or something. But I'll tell you, Ryan, is that if you're looking for slimes in a mm -hmm. swamp, they spawn more on the new moon. So it behooves you to know exactly what phase of the moon it is and how many mm -hmm. days it's going to be until the new moon. So if you think you can use real world moon, you know, dynamics to determine how high your slime spawn rates are going to be. And now slimes, we don't even have to mention, but slimes are crucial in making sticky pistons and making slime box blocks and making flying machines. So they're very valuable, Ryan. Um, but you have to go in reverse of the natural moon mnemonic or moon, moon mnemonic. Fuck. That could have been really funny if I said it right. And also it was funny. I anyway. no, I think it's fascinating. And I made me Google whether that's a real based on a real fact and everything is just Minecraft. When I when I Google do slime spawn during the new moon. Now I guess yes, in nature slime doesn't spawn. <laughs> right. But I thought maybe there was some correlation. I mean, maybe there is. I wonder. I'm I'm sure for SEO purposes you're gonna get Minecraft stuff. But you know, when I was a kid, slime molds, which are the realest version of slime, um, was fascinating to me because slime molds are a type of mold that can move around. Um, if you play video games and you fight a slime blob, like this is the real world version of that. A slime blob does not exist in a real world in the real world, which it should. I always thought that slime should just exist. You know, these low level monsters that hop around. Um, in but the real they world? Don't. yeah, in the real world, I, wouldn't that be cool if there were low level monsters in the real world? Like we get big bugs and rats and bats and birds and stuff. You you would call these real world low level monsters, you know, yeah. cockroaches but there's not real ones and it's a shame because how are you going to level up you know like if you don't have what you're going to kill dogs that's horrible i don't think that'll give you experience <laughs> i mean it'll give you experience but like not like really bad experience yeah i guess if you're trying to go ahead being jeffrey dahmer right i was gonna, if you're trying to level up into a serial killer i guess it is valid experience yeah well listen but, now if we're talking about it depends on context if you're trying to survive in the wilderness and you're forced to do these things kill a coyote or a wild dog then so be it you know you level up your skills if you're tom hanks and castaway perfectly reasonable to kill whatever you have to kill to survive and level up that was my biggest complaint with uh castaway is i thought he should be murdering more coyotes i thought that would have been pretty compelling take out the uh like the tooth scene you know the dentist scene or whatever the fuck the skate skate ice skate scene put in some yeah. fucking coyote battles you know yeah then wilson could have been a coyote skull he talked to <laughs> now that would be great yeah. what would wilson be called if he was a coyote skull because he couldn't be called wilson because it was you know a brand name Oh, well, I guess if it's that on the nose, then it'd be like, you know, Wiley or something, right? Yes, yes, Wiley. I mean, that'd be great. I think that would have worked really well. Yeah. Um, sometimes I let Kevin take over when I have to run off screen. And so, Kevin, take it away for about five to ten seconds. Oh, boy. Okay. I, I, sometimes I wonder what he is doing. Hmm. Um, do, you, do you have any, any bets on why Spencer had to suddenly get up again? Uh, did he just grab those headphones? I think he was wearing those. No, I had the headphones. <laughs> now, see, it's interesting no. you bring this up because last episode, Kevin started wearing headphones. They were like a cool gamer headset. And then he took them off 
And then I was like, wait, weren't you wearing headphones? And he started gaslighting me like, no, I wasn't wearing headphones. What the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, pretty sure you were. And uh, yeah, he successfully like gaslit me into submission. Side by side highlights magazine or whatever, like pictures, like which with different things or I just, I was terrible in real life just now. So wait, well, hold on. What's the name of the server? That I just brought, server? that's what I brought up last episode too. I brought up the exact same highlights cover convention. Sorry. I cut yeah. you off though. No, I just want to know the, the server is so I can go on the, the discord server. Uh, Shra oh, home bad discord. Shra all one word. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll send you a link right now. Okay. Cause Rob sent me the, like just a link to get onto it. And I was like, well, that doesn't tell me anything. So and then, well, from there, just like general, if you're Are actually you on discord, Ryan is discord something you use. No, it's not. But I thought, isn't it, aren't people commenting live right now on what we're talking about? Well, the thing about my show and the thing about the discord is that when I'm doing the show, they actually aren't talking about the show. If you're watching the discord during Callie's show, you would see people commenting on the show, telling us what they liked and didn't like about the show, mm -hmm. uh, pitching Kevin questions to ask Callie. But when they're, I'm doing my show, the people in the discord are um, generally just talking about their days. Mm. So feel good. it's very interesting. No, they're hard. I mean, when, there, when they, there's a comment about coyote kicking, and then before that, a blue moon, and then slime modes. They are talking about us. Yeah. Wow. I think you must have, maybe Kevin cleaned house recently. Maybe he converted the bad Discord into the fine Discord, but not the good Discord. That's the one that pays me money. Spencer, I have a question for you. And Please. It's about the show. So you talk about how the, we're all going to die. Like, what does that mean? I mean, I know what it means. I don't do that so much with guests, uh, but yes, uh, you know, I mean, I, I've for a long time, I've been saying this is very bad. Uh, the Nazis, there's a segment on our show, uh, Ryan, that's called the Nazis are at it again. Well, I guess the segment is actually news time, but it just so happens that in news time, every single time, it just is the Nazis are at it again. We talk about some way that the Nazis are at it again. Mm -hmm. um but you know it's very bad we've had a lot of shootings there's been less shootings reported in the news this past week than we've had so maybe there's a lull but i expect it to come back but you know when there's not nazi shootings there's uh you know police beating the shit out of people and police are nazis um i also have a pretty liberal use of the term nazis uh just because i don't know i'm more of a vibes guy i'm not a big semantics guy you know i just it's all fascism it's all really bad stuff it's like um, the, the the supreme court stuff in pornography you'll, you know when you see it you can't quite yeah exactly explain it but yeah and speaking of the supreme court there's a bunch of nazis on the supreme court uh i don't know yeah, you crazy. know if, if we didn't if we didn't have a guest, I probably would have spent a lot of time ranting about abortion and how fucked we are. Um, but I talked about it when the decision was, you know, leaked. Um, we kind of went over this stuff. And my, my whole angle is just like, they wouldn't do this if they had all thought it would have a consequence. And they had to understand that there would be a tremendous consequence. So they had to have at least some sort of, you know, calculation that this isn't going to uh, lead to, you know, expanding the court. This isn't going to lead into a giant blue wave that completely changes the political landscape. They think that they're going to get away with it. They, I don't know if they are, I'm not willing to like go to go on the bat saying that they're going to get away with it, but I, I have to believe that they think they're going to get away with it. And if you look at the Supreme court decision with like, what was it? Clarence Thomas, um, his kind of like opinion on it. He's like, and <laughs> 
Jesus Christ, you guys. He's like, and we should also take a look at uh, the Supreme Court decision that uh, allows contraceptive to be purchased legally, and the the decision that allows gay marriage to be done legally, and And the decision that that amounts, yeah, and gay sex. And I I guess I don't know if they actually said interracial marriage, but I think they did. Um, No, I don't. Well, but it's just Clarence Thomas ain't going to say that because. He's in an interracial marriage, but I mean, you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't expect, yeah, but, but then again, I, you know, who knows, but, uh, people be no, I think that, 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 you know, I was, now I was hearing somebody else about this and this is what they said, but you know, the idea of it all comes down to like the, the, the dog whistle saying it's uh, it state's rights, you know, which is like, Hey, it's state's rights. What the fuck could states say whatever they want and then you do whatever they want. And then, you know, who knows what that opens the door and up to, you know? Yeah. Well, I, my, my rule of thumb, I have a few rule of thumbs. The first rule of thumb is anything Republicans want is bad. It doesn't work in essentially a hundred percent. It works in 99.99% of circumstances. I'm sure there's very few corner case where it's like, oh, this wouldn't be so bad, but it's like anything they want is bad. Second, second assumption is. It doesn't matter what they say. They know that talking is just filling time, is just creating ways for everyone to bloviate and equivocate and argue about what they're saying. It's all just nonsense. What matters is like their agenda, you know? And I think their agenda is pretty clear. I don't think it's like about states' rights. You know, the second that they, they, uh, even before like the Republican National Convention and stuff was saying that we're going to keep pushing, we want to enact a nationwide, you know, abortion ban, but to try and pass it through under the air of legitimacy, they were like, yeah, no, it's just about states' rights. It's like, no, it's not about states' rights. It's about you want this, and part of your agenda involves lying about it to make it seem more palatable to people, you know? Yeah. So, like, I just don't trust anything they say that's not like a blatant omission, omission or it admission there we go admission of just like we hate black people we hate gay people all this stuff you know we want all the trans people to be killed etc and you know like that's the thing is they just ultimately if you look at what people are saying it's they're saying that they want to kill us they want you know in the wake of this decision a lot of people were yelling on twitter because um jewish people on twitter were saying that they have a religious right to an abortion like their religion involves uh bodily anatomy and access to abortions i don't know very much about judaism i'd take them at their word but people saying stuff like that is the same people that support israel and you know you know that's a big pl- uh, platform of like conservatives is you know uh, it doesn't matter what they're doing in palestine it's just we support israel and stuff these same people are like like hitler was right to these women who are like you know religion you know my religious belief includes access to abortion they're like you know we should he should have gassed you guys like just disgusting horrible things and i think that's like they're just they just want to kill us they just want all these people are so hateful and they just internalize being so dishonest about it you know um that like it just comes out like a, a lady was like oh this is a victory for white life uh at, at yeah, she said that in front of trump i saw that clip <laughs> Yeah, and then they're saying it's 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 a mistake. It's not a mistake. The same lady like invoked Hitler. Like it's 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 very clear. And just it, it, what I was think the I'm mistake? Talk- uh, it, she was so, so, supposed to in quote say life, not white life. But that's <laughs> very clearly. Did you add an extra word? No, that's not how people. That's not. 
I mean, I'm not going to litigate like who can misspeak and in what ways, but it's, it's just very clear. And if it was misspeaking, it was misspeaking from a place of this is what I want to say. And it's like, oh, I plan to not say what I wanted to say, but instead it actually just came out my true beliefs. But, you know, people people talk about religion and people talk about the Christian angle. Again, it, none of their none of their shit. It's almost a waste of time to even try and go into any of these details and justifications because it's essentially playing their game. It's wasting their time. Um, but like people try to hide behind religion, but in 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 the Bible, it talks about like if you can invoke a medicinal miscarriage, it talks about what herbs you need to do to have that miscarriage, and it's something that it's in Numbers or Leviticus. It's something that the Bible prescribes. So it's like the Bible is fine with miscarriages. Also, God was for some reason, you know, I've talked about this before as well, but I think the Christian God is necessarily a sociopath and that Christianity is inherently a religion in which you are in a toxic relationship with a sociopathic abuser God, which is just insane to think about. Um, but what, you know, part of his sociopathy is God like has bragged about killing unborn children and ripping uh ripping fetuses apart I don't, I don't think fetuses is in the bible but like unborn children uh you know it talks about how life begins with the first breath like it, it talks about like life does not begin at a conception the bible actually says all these things these pro-abortion things it's not about that and if you actually look in the historical record um the people who invented um anti-abortion movements were explicit white supremacists who were you know there's the there's what's called the great replacement narrative uh it's sometimes co-opted or called white genocide the idea that people of color seek to displace and and outnumber the white race um and 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 do that through killing and do that through intermarriage that creates mixed families that are less white than their predecessors and stuff and that's always been a huge part you know of white supremacy dating back probably to slavery because in slavery times you know you'd have five rich people on a plantation with just like you know 20 like scores of of black slaves and they were just in constant fear of like if these people actually wanted to kill us they'd probably do it you know um like so it's just it comes back to this fear of black people because they're being subjugated and rightfully should you know stand up for themselves and and kill us for denying their human rights you know um but you know so so abortion anti-abortion goes to that same idea um they were they were worried about white birth rates declining because you know wealthy people didn't necessarily have a lot of kids and so they're like white birth rates are declining how can we stop this because otherwise we're going to be overwhelmed by people of color i don't think they use that language but um you know the the, the but like what can we do we have to stop abortions which is kind of one of the sources of you know white birth rates declining and so it's like always been very explicitly about white supremacy but you know obviously you can't necessarily say that certainly you couldn't say that after a certain period of time so it became you know oh we're hiding it behind religion and stuff and god doesn't want this but it's not it's not in the bible it's not it's it's always just been about white supremacy and stuff which is why it's nazis you know it's always nazis wow, it's nazis all the way down that's fascinating i didn't i didn't know that i mean i'd be curious is there like data to reflect that like oh you know the white pot what more white people get abortions or how does that what do they think is going to happen now 
I, I don't know. I don't like it, it's just at this point, there's just so much animus and hate and they can just pick some issue and then galvanize and, 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 you know, rally around it to a fervor pit, like a fever pitch, you know, it's just, and so like, I don't think anyone knows what it's about. They just know that this is what their team's doing and, and the yeah. people they hate on the other side don't want it. So they're, you know, you saw uh, my friend was a waitress in Missouri and like, a bunch of people went to celebrate like a bunch of fucking rednecks went to celebrate at her restaurant and were just like taunting the wait staff and insulting them and laughing at their their bodily rights being taken away including her boss and so it's like it's that has nothing to do but her That's boss was taunting or boss was he taunting. was joining into it yeah he was he was he wasn't like taunting them but he was like these guys they have a point etc like he was on their side um but it's like that's not if you care about babies you don't find women and laugh at them you know that's not it's not about that it's about vengeance it's about you know uh spleen and venting anger and violence and hatred you know and they just they're just it's that's that's part of what fascism is you know you reduce the other people to subhuman levels you start to normalize violence and that's why we're all going to die like it's just going to keep getting worse there's going to be more shootings you know i don't know it's all to me it's all connected to they just want to cause enough co uh, enough violence enough chaos to then um necessitate like all these Kyle Rittenhouses, you know, and then once once that's happening, then it's like hopefully they can um, whip up enough Nazis to start marching in the streets and really start fucking shit up. Like that that's kind of my belief, and I don't know if they'll actually accomplish that, but that's what they want. And certainly, if you go into like their secret channels and stuff, they talk about stuff like that. They were talking about a, a left wing night of rage on on the day, um, which was just them saying we want to go out and shoot people so what's a justification for that oh i'm sure the left is going to riot and we need to protect it so they just kind of like invented that like oh there's this riot happening that's going to happen and so we got to be there to start shooting at them and then they were saying that like oh this was invented by antifa antifa invented this because like i don't know it gets too complicated the whole thing is it's all because it doesn't make any sense it's all just about emotions and, and hatred right you know it doesn't have to hold together in any cohesive way the more angry you are the more you'll just buy down any excuse like i don't know if you've been in a situation like that where you've been really upset or emotional about something and then you just kind of take something at face value that if you were in a more calm state of mind you probably would have been like wait is that right uh, yeah of course if you if you, if you actually I, I try i do this i do this with people that i don't particularly like but i'll, I'll always i'll always say like if someone starts talking shit i'll be like i don't like this person but they don't do this they don't do that you know what i mean like it's like it's uh the point is, 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 you know, you, you want to like, you don't want to just, just cause you see someone as a boogeyman doesn't mean you start ascribing all these horrible things to them. You still want to assess them as objectively as possible. Yeah. I should practice that. I'm really good at just demonizing people I'm mad at. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I was raised conservative and I'm sure that's where it comes. Oh, from. really? You were kind of, my parents were vague, but they were really Christian and they were more Christian than Christian. They were really, uh, they were more conservative. They weren't like overt about it, particularly because my mom just like had this thing where she just never wanted to talk about like who she voted for, or who people should vote for on one level. It's like, maybe they didn't want to influence us on another level. It's like, maybe they were ashamed of it, but like, 
there was relatively progressive people at the church we went to, but they were they were pretty strong. Like I don't know, you know, my my pastor was a chemical engineer, and um, every month he would have sessions that were like science sessions where he would kind of he would ask people would have like essentially like lore questions of the world building of christianity you know mm -hmm. like oh how did they actually part the red sea and stuff and he would try and come up with like scientific explanations where oh, he's like wow. well you know there's tectonic activity so it's possible like but like his faith was it was faith you know but on some level he he tried to incorporate his science and not just like say like oh god said it so it must be real like who cares about physical laws like he tried to thread the needle you know i don't know what he's doing now uh but you know yeah. i I have a lot of respect you? for that yeah uh, yeah that yeah because it wasn't empty faith you know it wasn't like i will take my marching orders it was like this makes sense to me or i can make sense of this using what i know about science you know and so for me that was always kind of like what my i was never I, even when i was a little kid i was like i don't have faith i don't believe i've never felt like i heard god talking to me i just to me it makes sense that god created the world and then at some point i was like wait a minute this doesn't make sense. And it was never a crisis of faith. It was just like, oh, no, I thought, you know, it's like, it's like if you think, uh, for instance, the moon is full on the 14th day of every month. And then it we is find every out moon a month. It is every right. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like, and then you go, oh, okay. Now I know this other thing and I'm going to roll with that. It's not like, oh my God, what have I been believing? It's just like, oh, okay, this makes sense. You know, so it's like, that's, that's how it was. And that was part of like what cemented it for me. It's like, I'm clearly not <laughs> conflicted about this. This isn't troubling to me. It's just like, oh, huh? Yeah. Okay. And it sucked because I still had to go to church for like years after that. I started like, <laughs> the church had two services and I started picking the service that my parents didn't go to um so i wouldn't have to go but i would i would go because they would ask people if they saw me so i would go i would make an appearance i would shake hands and eat the cookies in like the kind of lobby and then when the church service started i would go back to my car and drive away and then i would just drive around for about an hour and a half and then i would head home and then my parents would be like oh how was church and i'd be like yep it was uh jesus terrific you know and it sucked <laughs> because my parents were you know, I don't know. My parents suck shit, you guys. Uh, they do. Sure they, it sounded cool to me earlier when you said they weren't trying to influence your political. You know, they weren't. It doesn't sound like they're inundating you with propaganda at a young age. I try to be generous to them sometimes when I'm not very mad. But you know, I I don't know why they did it. Uh, you know, uh, but but like anytime we would have like political arguments, they would just shut it down. So I think on some level, it might have just been like they're not willing to have a discussion about this. So let's just not talk about it at all. Let me ask you something. Where sure. are you from? Uh, I was born in Fresno. I grew up in a town called Elk Grove, which is a bustling California city. But at the time, it was very small. And then I moved to Moore Park, which is about an hour outside of LA. And my dad got a job in LA at WB as a graphic designer. And yeah, so I've lived in Moore Park until I moved to LA, and then you know I moved to Burbank. So that, that wasn't like, even what my what my real question is. Although it does provide some interesting backstory. So, sure. where do you think? Because I think about this a lot. So, so when um, people have kids, and they're let's say in your case they're conservative, and they have kids who who are like become the opposite. You know, that has to come from somewhere. So, do you have any idea if you have any relatives, distant relatives? 
uncles, cousins, grandfathers, whatever, who were like more akin to your way of thinking that you kind of that, you know, the genetic Plinko kind of went through and it got to you, you know? I don't know. I mean, I think my mom's brother was, was I think my mom said that I was sometimes like his, her brother, mm-hmm. um, but I don't think I ever really met him. Um, he like, do you know what he died was? Of, his deal was? <laughs> no, I, I, we should have him on <laughs> and guess, but yeah, no, I, well, no, I do know his deal. He was a criminal. He was like, he was, he was a criminal. Uh, he, my mom had stories of his crimes. One of his uh, things, one of his tricks was he would take all of his clothes off and have a towel over his junk in a hotel, you know, like outside of a room and and flag down a cleaning lady and be like, I locked myself out of my hotel. Can you please help me? And they'd let him in the hotel and then he'd rob the, he'd rob the, the hotel room. And uh, wow, that was like one of clever. his tricks. Yeah. So pretty smart guys. You can tell. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I died. Did I step on that? Yeah, he died of like uh, alcoholism related disease, I believe. Like, I just know that he was like orange and swollen up uh, from like some sort of kidney failure or something like that. I don't know, liver failure maybe. But was but, he? When your mom said you were like him, what did you, what was she referring to? I mean, you're not a criminal, you're not an alcoholic, as far as I know, right? That's probably what she was referring to my my criminal past and my alcoholism. <laughs> um, no, I, I I think it was just the fact that we were kind of both maybe black sheep kind of kind of people. I don't uh-huh. know if he was a middle child, um, but you know I'm a middle child. Uh, also, just like both of my parents are codependents. They were kids of alcoholism and stuff. And my mom had a really tough childhood. She was abused, and my dad. Um, he didn't have a tough childhood but i think he was just kind of distant or whatever i don't know exactly why um but so like but they were codependents and part of like codependency is like you kind of run to fires when people are freaking out like your your urges to like appease them and to calm them down or something and mm-hmm. so my my older brother was a shithead and my little brother was a fucking brat and so i think like because i wasn't a problem you know growing up they're like spencer's fine and um they would just like deal with my other brothers all the time and i at, from a young age internalized like i shouldn't act like this they are acting up and I don't want to act up. So as a result, I was just kind of quiet. I didn't, I didn't make demands. I didn't cry very much. I didn't ask anything of my parents, you know, and I kind of was just was left alone. And, and I just like, so I've always felt really disconnected from my family growing up. Um, and that only got more and more, uh, you know, pronounced as I got older, um, you know, trauma wise, <laughs> I'm sure this is part of what you asked, but trauma wise, I think like, uh, my parents like failed me many times where they would say stuff like, you know, you could always talk to us or, you know, if you ever need something, you can ask us for help. Oh, you know, if you're ever, uh, at a party and you get drunk and you can't drive home, like you could always call us and have us pick you up stuff like that. And then every time I would then come to them with an issue like that, they would be like, figure it out. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, okay. So my parents lie to me and then they do nothing to help me and then anytime i have any problems they get really mad at me because i'm supposed to be the good one you know the one that doesn't fuck up but at the same time they don't punish my brothers very much for fucking up because they're always fucking up so bad so if they didn't like if they were like as strict as they should have been so like as a result i got punished uh more severely i ended up getting punished less just because i didn't act up right but like you know where my brothers would like i don't know 
get in a car accident or something that this didn't happen but i don't know but like they'd get in a car accident and get grounded for a month that would turn into two days but i would you know uh mouth off to them and i'd get grounded for a week and it would never turn into two days it would always be a week stuff like that so it's like they would get worse punishments but mine would be like a lot more exacerbated for the offenses if that made sense um anyway hate my parents don't talk to them uh, I don't, you don't talk, talk to them, to but parents. also you guys don't talk to them. No one talked to my parents. Wait, when was the last time you did talk to your parents? Last time I talked to my dad was before Trump got elected, and my dad was saying that Trump was good, and I was like, you're a piece of shit. I didn't say you're a piece of shit, but uh, you know, I was arguing with him, and he was like doubling down and doubling down, and I was like, you know, I'm not going to be talked to this way. Uh, if you want to talk to me, you will apologize, and if not, I'm not talking to you anymore. And um, he never apologized i think parents are bad at apologizing anyway so he never apologized so he's he's tried to reach reach out to me and stuff and is like hey i'm in town if you want to talk but i'm like well you haven't apologized so i'm not gonna respond or pick up the phone and a similar thing happened with my mom uh three years later and so yeah i don't know you know i like when i live with my parents it sucked and um they always wanted me to move out which is fine it's not wrong of them to want me to move out but i was like i don't think you understand i don't like you guys when i move out that's going to be it like i'm not going to talk to you you're not going to have a relationship with me anymore i'm not saying that as a threat i'm saying that as a person who understands myself and understands you and it's not like you're going to do enough to make it maintain relationships and i'm going to be doing other things it's not going to be my priority and so as a result we're going to drift apart and i said this to them one time um and i was actually crying because the thought of it really made me sad to be like wow i'm not going to talk to my parents anymore you know and it was like a bummer to think about but that that ha happened and um you know th that was before we actually formally stopped talking um but you know so we we kind of drifted really apart and then you know by this time you know and it's just like i don't you know it's not not to be ungrateful i'm sure they did a lot for me but like i never felt like they were a value add in my life anytime we were talking it always sucked they would always get mad i always felt being punished uh just for talking about them you know i would always hide in my room and and leave the house constantly because i didn't like interacting with them at all um my, my brothers weren't quite as bad as me in this sense like they talked to my parents more and they still do talk to my parents like they have a much more active relationship than i ever did even before this all went down um but so like it was always just like what am i getting out of this like what's the possible benefit maybe someday they'll die and i'll get in the will or something like i'm not getting a social relationship out of this i'm not getting emotional support like nothing positive is coming from this is just draining i'm being drained by these energy vampires so you know like it, it wasn't a, it to me wasn't a huge decision it was just kind of like uh uh you know uh a formal bookend on like a very long period of of nothing good if that makes sense and you know yeah. i'd like to have a good relationship with my family um in the sense that i'd like my family to not suck shit. um but you know where are your brothers you used to talk to them no i don't talk to my older brother i talk to my little brother a little bit but we're just it's, it's just kind of being busy and stuff like we text i text him happy birthday and stuff and you know so i text my little brother um my little brother used to be a piece of shit until one day he got beat up uh <laughs> There was a fight behind the Vons across the street from the high school with my little brother and this weird punk kid. 
and um he got knocked out like not like knocked out knocked out but like you know in boxing you like drop to the you, you get your lights knocked out and then you're on the ground you wake up like half a second later mm-hmm. it was like that like he popped back up really fast but like he definitely lost that fight and i was there watching him and um ever since then he just became really cool which mm-hmm. has formed a, a belief in, in me that like a lot of people what they need is to learn that the world is pain and if you're a little shithead your whole life eventually someone will hurt you you know and i think a lot of people they just don't feel pain and so they're like there's no consequences to my actions nothing bad could ever happen but you know a little taste of being like oh wow if i am being a shithead to this person he might punch me i think it kind of changes their their math a little bit but anyway this is me saying corporal punishment is good parents should hit their kids no, um, but my older brother, I don't talk to him for reasons that I haven't discussed on this podcast. Maybe someday I will. But um, are yeah. our viewers of this podcast familiar with all of this? They all know you don't talk to your parents and your brother. You have iffy relationships. I don't know. I think so. The thing is, I say stuff on the podcast and then I just assume that everyone who listens to the podcast remembers members it you know it's like if you write a tv show you know all the details of it but then if someone watched it and you were like hey what about that part they're like what because it's just like you don't have the same relationship to it than they do you know so like a lot of times i think that people know stuff but then when i actually you know talk about it people are like oh that's interesting and i'm like i fucking said this like five times on the show um you know so so i don't actually know um but i have talked about professional is this is this normal is this normal for an episode uh yeah i mean again i think i mean i actually i feel bad i feel bad because normally i focus on the guests a lot more you know i would normally be grilling you a lot harder you know not grilling but like i'd be focused a lot more on you but for whatever reason i want to know what that even feels like it's not like i necessarily need that but i'd be curious what that kind of grilling would be like yeah so you're a writer obviously um when did you start thinking about writing was it in high school college like did you go to film school no, no. I had, a, I had a teacher in high school. First of all, I went to Sam Raimi's uh, high school and in nice. science class um, one day I was fucking around doodling and the teacher called me out. It was going to be a trouble and I was, actually, but then she said, you know, I had that Sam Raimi in my class and he used to do the same thing. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. So maybe you'll be okay. And I, and, I, and I think that was like a, whatever the opposite of traumatizing is it's like, a, like kind of like suddenly it was like, Oh shit, I could do this. And then yeah. I also had a teacher that in English, like creative writing or whatever, who gave me really, was really complimentary and supportive of my writing. And so I think that probably helped. Yeah. And then you moved into like doing stand up, right? In Chicago. Yeah. Well, in Michigan, my dad okay. was a comedy club, as I talked about in the last show, the Cali Kazoo Hour. What is it called? The Cali Kazoo <laughs> Show. Yeah. So I did in, in Michigan owns a comedy club. So that's, a, you know, definitely the nature nurture, the, the nurture category. And, um, and then I wanted to move. And then I went to Chicago, which, you know, if anyone's, I know people ask for advice. They didn't ask for advice, but in the last show, they said, you know, uh, what what advice would you give to a young Ryan? So, in general, what I found, like, I was not impressed with the stand up scene in Detroit, and so I moved to Chicago because I'd gone there and I was like, holy shit, these these stand ups are amazing. 
And I always find that like, that's the benefit of moving to a bigger city because you're going to throw yourself in, a, in an ecosystem that's just more competitive in a good way that just makes you stronger. It's the way a fucking evolution works, man. Yeah, no, you want to be in a, in a larger pond. You know, you can't, if, if you're the big fish, you're never going to get bigger because why would you? But if mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're a small fish, then it's like, oh, if yeah. I'm going to survive, I really have to strive. And also, like, uh, maybe, I don't know if this is a lesser or a greater extent, like, just seeing people that are more on their game, I think, inspires you to greater heights, too, right? Absolutely. And then then I got interested in filmmaking, in filmmaking context, and so I heard about Channel 101 and then moved to L.A., and that was the same thing over again. Holy shit, these people are fucking great and, you know, stronger yeah and then you know you did stuff with justin roiland and that eventually led to what what were you doing before rick and morty i was working on a show well we had acceptable tv the vh1 show you know about that right yeah and then i was that failed and i was fucking miserable and lost wandering in the literal wilderness in israel for a little <laughs> bit for five months and then i came cool. back and i had written a pilot or started writing a pilot and then that got me a job on a show called The Inbetweeners and MTV. And that proved that I could work in the industry outside of my friends, you know, because I just got hired on that show based on the script. Right. So when you say acceptable TV failed, like that's not typical language for if a show like, so what do you mean failed? Like, did it really feel like failure or what, what happened? I'm not super up on this. I mean, you know, it was on, it was on VH1 on Friday nights. And I thought when we, we're making it before it aired. I was like, Oh, we're going to be the next Chappelle show. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, by the way, there was human giant and whitest kids, you know, and we weren't even the next those. I mean, it was just like, of those three, we were the least culturally relevant and, you know, ratings wise, it obviously MTV, they knew what they were doing better with comedy than VH1, even under the same parent company and IFC kind of knew they had sort of something unique because they were new and it was just, it's interesting. It was like a perfect like experiment. Like what happens when you have three sketch shows on around the same time. And, um, and also it, you know, those shows were more like bands where like those groups were kind of all equals and kind of formed as, as, as bands, like, you know, like the kids in the hall or, uh, Monty Python. And then except for Phoebe was like, Dan was like, Hey, I'll take the, the best, in his mind, the best creators of channel one on one shows and we'll do a sketch show. But then it wasn't really a band. It was more like a super group where Dan was the boss of everybody's, you know, the manager and producer. So just kind of on a chemistry level, it didn't really make as much sense, you know, sort of changed what channel one on one was. And so even though I think there was some good stuff in there, I think it wasn't as successful creatively as those shows were. And then also it was on fucking VH1 on Friday night after Flavor of Love or whatever. I love New York. And that's not going to be exactly the best. You know, it's not setting you up for success with an audience. And so from a ratings point of view, it was a failure. I think creatively it was a failure-ish. And so, yeah, I think that they offered to renew it but with a much lower budget dan was like oh, what's the point for sure yeah so that actually sounds a little bit more like a dana carvey show situation did you watch that doc the dana carvey show 
where it's yeah. kind of like, oh, we had so many, so much talent, but the way it came together and like maybe the management and friction with the company and the time slot mm -hmm. and stuff just were like this comedy of errors that mm -hmm. made it all kind of fail. Like, obviously, it doesn't sound exactly like that, but it does sound a little bit like that. Interesting to know that they did get renewed, but it was like, nah, who cares? I think that's the story. I don't remember hearing it. I remember hearing that years later. I'd have to at some point ask Dan if I ever talked to him again, but you know, I, I that's what I always heard. It certainly tracks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's what it feels like to be in, uh, uh, interviewed by me. And now back to me trauma dumping on Ryan Ridley. No. Um, okay. <laughs> So, uh, in, in terms of standup, when you were getting started, were there like people that you looked up to? I'm, I'm sure like being in the scene, there was, there was, you know, people that you saw and then you're like, oh, I should do that. I should do that. But mm -hmm. like, were there people in Michigan? Were there people in Chicago or were there just people doing TV, you know, nationally, like comedy central presents sort of stuff that was really like, it spoke to you or like, I want to be like that, or, you know, anything that you feel like shaped your kind of comedic voice a bit more specifically. Yeah. I mean, before, well, I was talking about how I saw Jim Carrey at my, on my 16th birthday, my dad's club. That was a huge influence because he was so fucking weird. You know, I saw so many people at my dad's club that were like good, but they were just like the same old shit. And then Jim Carrey would do bits about, you know, impressions of Jimmy Stewart during the nuclear apocalypse. And, you know, it'd just be like fucking weird, absurd things that appeal to my sensibility. And then when i moved to chicago it was people that were just doing all this fucking weird you know like just more obviously alt so-called alt comedy kind of stuff and i had seen so much polished mainstream stand-up at that point that i was so impressed with like really fucking smart charismatic people doing weird stuff and, and of course half of those people couldn't get their shit together enough to succeed but they were super talented in the context of like doing weird shows and bars and in the second city small theaters and all that um and then the other half figured out how to, how to do it and but everybody was inspiring to me i mean that scene that i was a part of in chicago is fucking great half those people went on to huge success and half were geniuses that couldn't figure it out and so equally inspiring no matter who you you know who it was yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, I kind of, when I was younger, I don't know. I didn't never thought that I could be a stand up, but I always thought it would be funny. Uh, like it, it would be cool. It's like, man, I really had a lot of respect for comedians and I just watched stuff on, on comedy central. And so like, for me, like Stephen Wright and Doug Benson and, uh, Mitch Hedberg and, uh, well, what's her name? Fuck. Uh, I can't remember her up. name. Uh, no, uh, she Rita has Rudman. no the thing is the way that i would say like oh she's the one who uh is like insulting but uh she did a tv show and she Lisa had two on it. no small kind of red-haired woman uh impressionist fuck what's her name uh, the, the 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 discord is probably screaming at me small um, red-haired woman impressionist comedian yeah she she wasn't Eric like Tom. she did voices yeah carrot there you go is carrot top yeah with the suitcase oh my god she's so hot carrot top yeah oh my god she didn't no fuck Ugh. it's it's ugh. kevin okay. she look she had a netflix it wasn't netflix i don't know what it was ugh. maria bamford maria bamford yeah okay thank that's you. who it is yes yes not redhead as far as yeah I can she's tell. not redheaded 
she is redheaded. I mean, she's not a redhead, but her hair, her blonde hair is often, she's not, she's blonde these days, but she had like, she had kind of orangey hair on, on her specials. I, I believe, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. That looks red to me. Oh, I see. She's got red highlights or red, you know, well, that's oh. the specific red highlight. Okay. Whatever. I, I'm, I'm bad. Uh, look at that one, that one there. And if you, I guess I was going to say, if you tune in, you can look at the Google image search, but I'm sorry, you guys, I'm sorry that she wasn't redheaded. Um, but she, she was the fucking best. Um, yeah, she's great. Uh, yeah. She played my dad's club not too long ago. I mean, I think 10 years ago and like, you know, look, my dad's club is great, but it's the audience is, you know, Midwest or Detroit, you know, whatever. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, like a, an LA audience or a, I don't know, like a fucking Austin audience. And um, she like was the headliner. I don't think she was doing well. And so she got switched as the, to the, be the middle halfway through her week. And uh, I think she, you know, obviously had a problem with that. So she had like, my dad tells me every now and then she, she did some speech somewhere where she referenced that. <laughs> it was a bummer. Yeah. Well, you know, she's had uh, issues. That's what I was going to say. You know, she's the lady that has had a lot of publicized mental issues. But, you know, that didn't seem... Well, I think she, she uses that in her art, right? Doesn't she kind of, like, make that part of her act? Or wasn't that what her show is about? For sure. But if I'm trying to, like, call out, like, a woman uh, comedian that I really respect, that, that seems like a really diminishing way to do it. You know, but uh, I, I, I stepped in it anyway, you know? Well, I, I, I didn't think of it as, yeah, I didn't think of it as, I, I thought, like I said, she makes that kind of a part of her, right? she owns it in a way that's, you know, positive in the same way that, you know, the comedian Gary Gullman, who kind of talks about his mental health issues and his stand up. it's, you know, you can either pretend it doesn't exist, or you can fucking go full, full into it, make it part of your, make comedy out of it. Yeah. Do you remember your first open mic or anything? Was I mean, I just that's yeah. not for me. Is what it? kind of question is that? Do I remember my first open mic? What was it like? It was awesome. My first open mic was fucking incredible. I think that this probably happens a lot to comedians or people who do comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you either have an experience where you're the first time you do it. Somehow you go into some state of consciousness where you're not thinking, you're just fucking doing, you're in some zone that you can it's the cruel ironies you get into a zone sometimes the literally doing something for the first time you can get into a zone that usually takes you years to figure out how to get into you know but i so the first time i did it it was, I, it was fucking awesome and then i did it again a week later the same open mic and it was fucking horrible and then that was so traumatizing that i didn't do it again for years yeah that's to me what would be scary is like i don't want to go the first time like after the first time even if you really bomb i think it's like you kind of have more tempered expectations or whatever mm -hmm. but i just i don't think i could handle like the the first bomb and i don't know i've you know i feel very like painful. i've heard that go ahead what, what was that you say something Bombing is very painful yeah no it's it's hard uh you know i i i have not i've had jokes that bombed on harmontown and stuff you know but like the hardest i've ever you know bombed so to speak was uh at the upfronts uh when we first got harmon quest by CISO, everyone was really gung-ho about the idea of doing a live harmon quest episode which mm -hmm. i was always like 
you're fucking paying us to do 10 Harmon quests. And now you just want us to do a free Harmon quest, like mm -hmm. a free 11th Harmon quest. What the fuck? And, but without the time, without the prep, without the control over, you know, editing and stuff like mm -hmm. the show is a show that works in editing, but, um, we had it was CISO, so you know they have a deep bench. Um, but there's these two guys that had some CISO show. I'm sure they were like uh, New York comedians. I I don't know. I've never heard of them before, um, or since honestly. And um, I tried to like talk the guys out of it, being like, "This is gonna be bad. It's gonna look bad. It's gonna make the show look bad. It's it's a bad idea all around." But they were like, "You got to do it." And um, you know, so I we tried to do it, and I told the the two comedian guys who are the guests. Um, like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be searching for the crypt of the rat king or something. And like, and then I was trying to explain the thing about D and D is it's not just straight improv, right? It's not like, ah, I have a gun or whatever, you know, or you just, you talk things into reality. It has rules to it, you know? Um, so like I was trying to explain it to them and they, I'm going to be honest, they didn't seem to get it. And so that made me more nervous. And, um, so then we did the show and then they just started going off book and making shit up. And I'm like, I don't. I don't know what's happening. They also were very unfunny while they were doing it. So they were bombing, but they were going out on a limb and then bombing. And then, you know, Dan and the gang, they were trying to like work around it, trying to make anything happen. I was trying and it was just a nightmare and it sucked. And, you know, no one was laughing at a single fucking thing. And I was like, this is oh. awful. And not only is it awful, it's the exact awful I expected it to be and warned people about, you know, and it was upfront. Um, so yeah, it, it sucked. And then after the yeah, show, I met Tom Sharper. Dan couldn't get a laugh. I'm sure Dan got a couple. I'm sure there was a couple laughs. I'm probably over remembering it being negative, but it's like I've never done any show that was that bad before, you know, because I don't, you know, podcast stuff is kind of like a built in audience. It's almost almost always like a home yeah. crowd. So, yeah, yeah, that's the diff. That's the key to be a successful stand up is that you are constantly, you know, you can do your little fucking that's which is, by the way, this is the this is the level I got good at. But, you know, you can do your circuit in, in Chicago and all the rooms that have a, a, a demographic that's going to get you to some extent. And it's a lot of under the same people over and over again. But once you go out into the fucking world, and you're playing Pennsylvania and rural fucking Illinois and shit. You, you know, you've got to be able to play those audiences and not bomb or handle bombing. Yeah. You know, we had, um, we had the Sklar brothers on who, you know, I don't know, you hear about the Sklar brothers and it's like, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like there is a saturation of Sklar brothers for a while. And people are like, oh, the Sklar brothers and stuff. They came on the show and they did a bunch of jokes really quick off the back, like this, uh, off the second that we had them on. And, um, then you could see them like adjusting because they've played all around the world. And then after they adjusted, they started getting laughs all the time. And I was like, holy shit. And I had like a serious newfound respect to them because it's like that's difficult like what they managed to do and then like how they changed gears and honed in was also really specific and quick like they they, they switched gears really fast and made it work really fast you know mm. i don't know but why'd you stop doing stand-up just because like like i don't know like movie stuff and writing felt better or what well yeah because well not quite movie stuff but uh if you mean <laughs> movie stuff in the sense of making home videos my friends yeah but you yeah. know, you always got to follow your passion. And when you're not passionate about something, it, don't fucking do it. Like, I, I just lost the passion for stand up because I kind of, like I said, I wasn't interested in trying to become one of these road comics or wasn't interested in getting to some level of doing HBO specials. And I wanted to just write movies and TV shows and sh stuff like that. And so the problem is when you don't care about 
when bombing sucks, but then also you don't really care about killing as much, then you're like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Because you're always got to chase the high. And if you're, the high isn't satisfying either, then move on to something else, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. You ever play Sonic the Hedgehog? Play it. I live it. You live Sonic the Hedgehog? Do you want to expand well, on now, that? Now I'm buddies with Ben Schwartz, who's the voice of Sonic. That, that's what I mean. I'm oh. Okay. Oh my God. I think we're out of the show. Oh my God, Ryan. Have you ever All drowned right. before? Oh, shit. Is you're about to. Drowning music? Is that what that was? <laughs> yeah. Yes. And we're out of time, folks. Uh, thank you so much, Ryan. Do you have anything to plug? Anything you're working on? I've got plenty I'm working on. Renfield. Go see it when it comes out. Hopefully it's good. We'll see. Knock on wood that we then carve into a stake and stab Dracula Nicholas Cage. And I heard, heart. It, I heard tell that the character of Renfield was actually based off of your true life. Is that correct? Yeah, with yeah, with Dan, absolutely. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else? So, you're not doing Invincible anymore, are you? No, I just did that one season years ago. The first season, yeah, years ago. Yeah, but Robert Man. Kirkman, who's obviously the creator of Invincible, is the producer of uh, Renfield. So, oh, awesome! That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, is this still being broadcast? Ultimately, or is this is the cutting room floor. Yeah. Okay. No, no, this is the show still where we're, we're, okay. we're, you know, it's, you haven't quite drowned yet, I guess. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan's doing exciting stuff, but also obviously it pales in comparison to the heavy hitters and the big, big meetings I've been taking. Um, you know, yeah, I, twi- you I stream on Twitch. <laughs> I stream doing? on Twitch, twitch.tv slash the Sixler. I have a Patreon. Uh, give me money. Please give me money. I beg of you to give me money. Um, but <laughs> that's what's going on for me. Um, and Schraub's been texting me. What's Schraub saying? Um, it says Scud. Oh, ask Ryan. Ask Ryan if he liked the Planetina. Ep- no, I'm not going to ask that. Uh, he says they didn't hire me. And then he says Scud. So there you go. That's Rob Schraub. What about you, Kevin? Who is he referring to? I, I have no idea. Oh, probably Acceptable TV. No, he was a producer of Acceptable TV. He was involved. Then I don't know what. They didn't hire me. Huh. We'll have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. But, but, but Kevin, Kevin, uh, Kevin has stuff to plug. Yeah. Okay. So if you're watching this live this on, on Trob Home Video, coming up next is the best channel 101, uh, followed by Real Life Sci Fi with Wade, Willie, and Aaron, and then a brand new found crap from Rob Schraub tonight. And if you're not watching it live on Trob Home Video, check us out every Sunday at ShraubHomeVideo.com. Oh, yeah. How many viewers are watching right now? Get it. Um, I it takes me a second to look up. Uh, forty-one thousand right now. Wow! There I'm gonna go. go on that Discord. Uh, tell them that I'm actually a good person and that they're actually bad. Uh, but as always, we like to end the show the same way every episode. Uh, so until next time, I'm just so sorry, you guys. It's just I don't know what can be done. Stop it.